Live. All right, welcome everybody. Schaefer Baseball Report Friday edition. Special guest in the house, my son Zachary Gabriel Schaefer, and of course Andrew. Andrew, yeah, yeah. Andrew, many tool Zyke. That was man. I must be in a good mood. I must be in a good mood. Many tools, not just one, two, three, four, five tool guy. You're a many tool guy, and uh, so busy week in the world of baseball. Obviously, coming up, we got the uh, the College World Series. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about Zach's next journey in the game. We'll talk about Zach's journey through the game with his dad as his coach. And uh, we had we had a good night last night. We had a lot of good conversations sitting on the deck and. Just practice talking about for this, yeah. sort of a practice round, but just kind of, you know, air, air get, getting the air cleared and, uh, you know, kind of uh, an opportunity for me to kind of explain certain things to you that, you know, you probably didn't want to deal with. But this is it's interesting because this will be good for for fathers that have sons that they've coached along the way and, and the parents in general, how we uh, how we deal with, uh, you know, how we deal with each other on the field. And the perceptions that are they're laid upon you when we uh, we get around to, but you've made a decision to kind of move into a a baseball world and a different in a different avenue than as a player. That'll be uh, pretty interesting. And Andrew, so College World Series, dude. College World Series. Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Juggernaut. Unbelievable. Top to bottom. They have. They have. They have talent, position wise. They have they got arms. They, they got have bats. arms. They got I mean, hitters. They got bats all up and down the line. And you know, I mean, it's scary. And they and they got to run the whole thing on their own in their in their own facility. What was the final score? Of their their game two. Oh my god, it was twenty something. I mean, you know, it was uh, it was it was it was pretty hefty. Yeah. Um, you know, they put twenties up on two different teams. One yeah. was Maryland. You know, and uh, but. It's this is exciting because now you know you get in these you get in these environments and anything can happen anytime and, you know and people rise up and people that are you know projected prospects some of their stock falls other guys stock rises you know draft coming up in July I, I like the idea that the draft is after the College World Series I mean you almost have to it, it was too much I mean it was a lot of pressure and you know what these kids that you know are supposed to enjoy the moment regardless and they don't get drafted and it's kind of uh, it kind of takes them down a little bit. Let's go down the list. We got TCU sure. or Oral Roberts. Who do you got? I got TCU. TCU, Zach, yeah. who do you got? Uh, I like TCU in that, too. I'm going Oral Roberts. All right. I think they're battle-tested. Uh, Florida, Virginia. I'm sticking in the ACC. I'm going Virginia. Okay. Yep. Got? I got Virginia just because Florida knocked out the Gamecocks. So. I got Florida because they have arms for days. Yeah. That's why I got them. All Wake right. Forest, Stanford. Wake Forest. I, I, I'm picking Wake Forest to go all the way through. You know, I kind of like Stanford. I'm a big – I've always kind of liked the school and the program itself, so yeah, I'm going to give nuts. Stanford that one. <laughs> I like the underdog, dude. Have, enjoy it. Nobody yeah. likes to bet on negative odds. Yeah, no, LSU no. and that's why he keeps asking me for money every week. Dad, no, not. I, I need more money. <laughs> not a sports also, I mean, Wake Forest, this is their first time in how many years? They, they Since like 1954 yeah. or something like that, some crazy yeah. some crazy period but of time. I mean, where's, the, where's the game at? Where are they in – they're in Omaha. That was a stupid question. But, yeah. I mean, I see, you know, I like it. Keep okay. things interesting. All LSU, right. Tennessee. Tennessee. Ten- uh, no, I lied. Again, that's another hater thing. Yeah. That's LSU. good. That I mean, that, that could turn into a brawl. Those are yeah. those are two kind of edgy, blue-collar teams. Yeah. 
But then you look at you know you look at Wake and Stanford. That's two you know higher academic. Yeah. Pop the collar up. You know. Yeah. Uh, I got LSU on that one. All right. Uh, who, okay. So just overall, who do you guys got winning? Who's who's your final two? My final two is going to be Virginia, Wake Forest, ACC World Series. And you got who do you got taking at Wake Forest? I'm taking Wake. Who you got? Final two and your your winner. LSU TCU. I think TCU is just having a big year for the whole school. So I I think it'd be cool to see them go to two titles. And I think LSU is probably the best competition besides Tennessee out of the rest of that bracket. You didn't, you see Wake Forest in there? I do. I think I'll give them a lot. I think Wake Forest and Florida, Wake Forest winning it all. All right. There it is. There it is. But I'm, I'm pulling for the all, I'm pulling for the all ACC because how many I mean there were like nine SEC teams in the uh, that yeah, got into the got lot. into the regionals and you know they were dominating well so was the ACC but a lot of Carolina teams too yeah listen this, like you said earlier the south the southeast is packed man there's such good baseball down here it used to be when I was growing up everybody from Arizona Texas California were like holy cow man those you know that's where all the players are at nobody ever thought that the the Northeast, or even really the Southeast, was a, uh, you know, was any type of baseball mecca, but it uh, it's turned out to be that. So that's uh, so that'd be fun. It starts at what one to two, 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 two o'clock today. Yeah. So it goes from today, which is the sixteenth. It's ten. It's ten days, mm-hmm. right? It could it could run ten days. Yeah, it could. Twenty six would be the last day. It's good TV, be. man. Yeah, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be good TV. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Um, we had the uh, North Carolina, yeah, the Body Armor. State yep, games. The, the Body Armor State games out here. We saw some really good talent. Yeah. We saw some kids that were at our All Star game, and yeah. you know, in that making that. And just you see kids that you've seen like years ago that you just see see again. Yeah, no, it's interesting, but you know, I mean, you looked at but you looked at some of the more populated areas and the size of those kids. That came through versus some of the guys up out of the mountains and things like that. The other regions. So for the people that are listening to us in North Carolina, there's eight regions um, in the state, and every year Body Armor holds what they call the North Carolina State Games, and each region selects a team, and they go in. We hosted the showcase portion of it, where uh, everybody came in on Monday and uh, went through that pro style workout in front of. I would say there was it had to be a hundred guys here. Yeah. You know, between oh, scouts, oh, scouts, and college recruiters on site, mm-hmm. uh, really, uh, you know, it was a good event. We we did get we did get nailed with rain a little bit late in the afternoon. Okay, go ahead, say you know, it. You're trying to be optimistic, uh, like, <laughs> Jeff. This one's hitting us. This, yeah. There's no doubt about it. I'm always it's going around us. It's yeah. going around when us. I, and when it, I see it like the heart of it in Belmont, I'm like, we're, we're and hitting. we worked because it rained the day before. And we yeah, were we yeah, worked hard. hard. We worked hard to get this. Uh, I mean, we we're here at six thirty in the morning prepping that field and got them on the field and got a lot of guys. Work. Thank God we had the um, the indoor because yeah. everybody did get a chance to get in front of the college recruiters mm-hmm. in that, you know, not not the whole environment, but you know, I pretty much. There's m- only like two teams that didn't get to do their their in and outs and things like that. But yeah, we saw you know we saw Jackson Lida. You know, we haven't seen in a long time. Good player. You know, um, he was like uh, in his in his conference, like all conference player of the year in both basketball and football, uh, basketball and baseball. Um, we saw we saw guys in the All Star game. The the Cameron Bagwell kid, yeah. that kid's good. Yeah. That kid's going to be a dude. Yeah, yeah. and you know he came off he came off of Tommy John, yeah. and a lot of these guys saw him like three or four starts off of Tommy John, and his velo was 
Yeah. You know, it was, I mean, he's always been firm, but it wasn't, you know, but we saw him in the all-star game. Up to 91. Yeah. He had like four or five scouts up top. They're like, he's not going to be uncommitted very long. No, it's not. And he can swing the bat too. He's yeah. a, he's yeah, a he donkey. A, he's a big, he, he he's a big dude, but that was fun hosting that. It was fun to have all those guys out there because it gave us a chance to say hello to everybody and reconnect and everybody see what we've done out here. You know, they're amazed. They turn around like, oh, man, like uh, Ben Hall from North Carolina A&T. You know, Ben's never been here. He's like, holy cow, Schaefer. Like, I heard about it. But, you know, this is uh, this is this is a different uh, different one that he, you know, perceived. Sure. So, but, yeah, it's we have, you know, and when we started, we designed this place. And remember the beginning, man, I always wanted it to be conducive to showcase, showcase yeah. to recruiting you know to, to give kids opportunities so with the indoor right out the back of the you know right behind the dugout uh, our cages are, yeah. yeah and we, we we have a good we have a good scenario we get turf out here that thing is we wouldn't have gotten in trouble yeah, the other day it doesn't Wait, matter how 30, 45 minutes just see, just even if it was the infield not even if it was the outfield we would have we would have been we would have been in good shape with that um but it was fun you know you know, two sides of it. Like all these guys are here because those are basically upperclassmen, right? right. Recruited the guys that are already recruited. But then there's, you know, you're looking for that diamond in the rough. How the the colleges right now don't really even acknowledge the 25s or the 26s that you almost can't. You almost well, can't now. Now by rule, yeah, with the new rules, right? It's mm -hmm. almost when junior when year. can recruit? Yeah, September first, yeah. junior year. Yep. So. So that, that means these guys at the end of the summer, like, you know, our guys throw a name out, Craddock, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Andrew Craddock. I mean, now they can talk to him coming up in a couple of months, but the whole summer they can. Yeah. And, you know, but that's that's a guy that's, you know. You, you know, that seems really late to allow contact, especially for some of the bigger well, talent at that age level. I mean, there's and guys. In the that, last 10 years, yeah, it would seem that way. But, like, yeah. even when I was going through, junior year was, that's when you started. Yeah. It wasn't like freshman sophomore year. You started doing a showcase. Junior yeah, your year, process your process was different. Yeah, totally. You know, you 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 live in a different environment than what we, what we did before because you saw a lot of guys getting popped young. Yeah, you know, early. I mean, we've seen we've seen guys go in ninth grade. I mean, basically. what I think it's too off the top of my head. Mikey Tepper originally committed yep. to UNCC. I want to say my freshman year. Mm -hmm. Rasmussen Connor has been yeah ECU since, since yeah. for a long time. Yeah, when I played, it was a, it was a handful. Probably in the Carolinas that got picked up that early, yeah. maybe. But I mean, yeah. if it's happening in the Carolinas, it's happening sure. elsewhere yeah. in the local oh, no, region. No doubt so, about it. It's, you know, it's, 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 but it just seems like my point is the point of it is, is it's while it may that my process may be different in this new time. Why would they recruit that early access, especially since these players are developing quicker than they have in the past? Well, there's no, there's no consequences to it. There were no consequences to it. I think that's one of the reasons. I think first of all, this rule was not set for baseball. It was set for football and basketball. Mm -hmm. And because it's NCAA, it trickles into all the other sports. It becomes universal. But, um, you know, I mean, it's it, it, it when you have no you can you can commit a kid, mm -hmm. but he's not really committed until the first day he steps on campus. Yeah. Like you can sign the, uh, the, the, the letter of intent and all that other stuff. But, you know, until he gets on campus, it's not. So I can say, OK, you're a freshman. I'm going to I'm going to commit you. Right. And you get all excited and I'm committed and you post it all over social media. I'm committed to go to, you know wherever what you know south carolina where you're going to school now let's just use that as an example and you you know you bought every sweatshirt every hat everything else like that but in that process from your freshman to the time you become a junior somebody else catches their eye yeah and they're like hey zach you know what maybe go to juco we'll keep an eye on you and even going to a juco now mm -hmm. 
is 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 there's no more like hey go to a juco and you can't just walk into a juco anymore these are powerhouses man i was talking to uh kj mcallister yeah. this morning and he's a, he's a coach over at, at i guess college i'm like dude and we got to have those guys on here sean doty and you yeah. know because that's like how did how did that happen so yeah like Quick. I mean, the first year they were like in it. They just got back from Colorado. Yeah. I mean, they, recruiters. They, that's what it, that's what it come down to. I mean, they have to be good recruiters. If it's, yeah. if it's one year process, they're yeah doing something right there. Yeah. So, but uh, again, JUCOs. That's it's, JUCOs are not a joke. JUCOs used to be a scarlet letter, right? Oh, uh, we're going to school. I'm I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to such and such community college. I'm going to this JUCO. Now it's you know. It was that way around here. It was never that way out west. A lot of guys, we talked to Springer all the time. Mm -hmm. That's how Springer got started. He went to a junior college. I think it was like Golden West or something like that. Um, but you can't just fall, you know, just lay your, lay, your, lay your glove into a junior college and go, okay, I'm on the team or I got a good chance. These guys are recruiting. These guys are trying people out. And they have better, they have rules that are less stringent because at the Division One, you can't just go work out for a team. Right. You can't just, hey, come on down. We'll run you through a workout. But at junior college, you can. Um, so you, know, you can you can put players. You can get players exposed that way more often, um, you know, through the process. It's uh, I mean, we talk about this every week. You know, it's the recruiting process is it's it's not easy to navigate. You know, you, I mean, you need you know, we talk about, you know, with Todd here, you know what we're doing. But you do you, the word that we put for our company was advocacy baseball consultants, because you do need somebody to advocate for. Them. You know, I've made, phone, you know, several phone calls for guys that are in the portal mm -hmm. um, right now just to say, hey, he's out there. Not that I'm their agent or anything like that. I wouldn't you know, I'm not doing that. I'm just trying to assist in that in that scenario. But if you don't have somebody going fighting for you. You got four thousand guys in the portal. How the heck are you gonna? How the heck are you gonna get through that? Yeah. Now there's definitely we take Connor Rasmussen, right? Mm -hmm. who, who Zach played with at, at Fort Mill. I mean, Connor was a known entity a year ago, before he got to before he went to ECU. He was runner up to State Player of the Year. He doesn't get the playing time that he hoped to have gotten at ECU, and but he wanted to go somewhere, and maybe the guarantee wasn't there to get even get another shot at the season. So I'm gonna go somewhere, but. The minute he goes into the portal, the next day Tulane calls him and flies him down to Tulane. You know, he meets with McGuire up at Upstate and somebody talked to some other schools along the way, but that's rare. I mean, if you take the numbers that are in the portal, that's rare. Yeah. You know, but uh, it's it's interesting. But I it, think it, that new rule helps slow some of the, well, obviously early commits, but it helps with the COVID stuff too, with that pileup, whether it's in the transfer portal or guys finishing out their years now. I think it helps yeah. with that. Yeah. This is one of the last years of these like getting COVID close seniors, right? It's either two, this year, two the, more years. So this year, and next year, and then I think the portal's going to die down heavy after that because it's not going to no, be the, the portal's going to be another four or six years. Well, yeah, but the thing is, is once all these COVID seniors and these guys that have all this extra eligibility who are pretty much right, 25, you 26, you know, because it's guys behind them. It, it was that junior. It, that so there's, there's so to you, to, I, I see how you're kind of looking at yeah. this, but if, but there's always going to be the same number of players on a roster, mm -hmm. regardless of if they got JUCO years or I mean they have you know COVID years and extra years and all that. You only, you can only have so many guys on a roster, so every roster will be full. So the number will be the same. 
And it's not so much because they have extra years that they're moving. Some of them are moving extra years because they can go to get their MBA and still play, mm -hmm. right? They can go into grad school, uh, you know, do whatever and still play. That part, you're right. That part will, that part will flush itself out uh, because those grad students won't have, you know, they won't have eligibility left. Mm -hmm. But the roster itself with, with the ruling is you can just jump in at any time and you can transfer and play at any time. So, you know, you could do the same thing. I mean, you, I don't know. I don't know that the numbers are going to change. You would hope that somewhere along the way, and we've had this conversation at home with Dylan is that you've made a commitment, you know, and you know, unless it's a total, total craziness, which I, I, I doubt it's even going to be, or there's, or the school doesn't want you, then you're going to move Then You know, we can talk about moving on, but you know, you made a, com a commitment to a program, a program has made a commitment to you. And if they're not getting rid of you, then you got to go fight for a job. You got to fight for your spot because everybody thinks when you make that move, it's going to be a piece of cake, mm -hmm. you know? And I think, you know, they probably made some good promises to, you know, a lot of the guys out there, but there is still no guarantee that that's, that's, you know, that's you. Yeah. So, but so let's jump into this, Zach, because this is uh this is an interesting conversation. Andrew has some some insight to this too, because he's watched the whole thing evolve mm -hmm. since you were a kid going through the program with yeah. us. And uh but you know, we're uh right in the pro shop. Oh man, that, yeah. Uh... There, 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 there were quite a quite a few different things along the way. But so for you know, for people out there that you know, this is this is my this is my oldest son, Zach. Um he is a rising junior at the University of South Carolina. Um, had an opportunity to go play at the next level. Chose not to. Um, had some injuries with his arm, and uh, you know, I mean, you did you did approach me and say, you know, I like it, Dad. I don't love it. Um, was that more frustration at that point, or was that just kind of you know being injured so many times? Or I, I think it was. Yes, kind of. It was sort of the injuries paired with that and the COVID years and seasons canceled. And it was more or less not so much frustration, but I think I was just looking forward to getting out of the game for a little bit. Because up until that point, it had been realistically my entire life. Every weekend, summers, winters, workouts, practices. So I think by the time my arm was out and COVID and all that had already piled on top of the cards that were already against me, it was just kind of like, I was done. I was excited to not have to worry about practice. I was excited to not have to worry about weekends. And, mm -hmm. and so I don't think it was frustration or any, uh, it was a burnout. It, it was, was a burnout. Yes. Really? Yes. It was burnout. Perfect right. word. I was just done at that point. It was too so, many cards against me and it was, I wanted it's a to great, do something different. That's a great point to, to everybody out there. I mean, you know, Dylan got Dylan rehabbing from ACL. He's fine. He's doing great now. He's, prepared he leaves at the end of the month to go to but to your point he got away from the game for a little bit and i think it turned out to be the silver lining you know because especially for my boys and i'm sure for anybody else that's just fanatical about baseball and you've seen it with with your nephews you know your kids will be the same way i mean as soon as he can sit up i was rolling balls at these guys right. i mean it was constant there was a there was a bat there was a ball something was happening all the time so he's not kidding when he says every single day if you go through our house and you open a drawer, baseball, baseball, leather, leather glove. glove. We got we got wine. You know when you open the wine and you know drink the whole bottle like a baseball guy. Hit like that's. I mean oh, it's yeah. it's everywhere. We instead of a, a bouquet of flowers in our living room or it's a nice bowl bouquet, full of baseballs. It's a bowl balls. full of baseballs. 
So it has. I mean, you know, it's a good point. So, I mean, I wish there was that period where there was a stoppage for some of these guys because the burnout factor, because you came back to the game and we'll talk about what you're going to do now. But, you know, do you think if, if you had some time off, like a summer off or whatever, that you would have stayed playing? Personally, I don't think it was a constant playing for me. While you're right, people do burn out. I don't think it was getting away because realistically I was away for a while with my arm for a long time. I mean, I was there, but I wasn't throwing. I wasn't participating. I would hit a little bit, but like, you know, it was more or less just kind of, like I said, with the arm and the other things that was going on in the world at the time stacked Mm -hmm. against me. It was just kind of like, I knew this wasn't going to go the direction I wanted it to from where we were. And I was I don't think the break would have helped. I think me staying healthy and the biggest part of it was the reoccurring injury so soon. It was kind of defeat when I was like, all right, I'm back. Mm-hmm. And then I did all that and all that PT and all that work and the surgery. And then it just to blow up again was right. that was kind of like, well, this is it for me. Like, yeah. I mean, because I don't know if you remember it. The second time I heard feel? it was. I mean, we never talked about actually like was it kind of a relief in a way or was it like, you know, it was, it was a mean, relief. All, all this work for a not what I've been chasing. I mean, it's not what I wanted to happen. Right. right? Obviously, like I would have ideally like my arm to stay healthy and been mm-hmm. able to pitch regularly all throughout my high school career, but that's not what happened. So it was just kind of, I don't, I mean, it sucked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it made it a little easier in the sense that kind of now, whenever I decided to move away, it somewhat gave me a cop out. You know what I mean? Sure. It, was, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't, oh, I'm just done. I don't want to play. It was, right. sure, I may not love it at the time, but also, you know, arms done. So quite another question, I may not have loved the game. You may not have – you love the game. Yes. You're part of the game. You just didn't love the processes that you had to go through to stay in the game. Um, Yes, but it also is a time factor just because of when that second yeah. injury happened, if you remember, it was right after I recovered from the yep. first one. First weekend back, yep. first inning pitching. Yeah. And – um. It was just, you know, I lost it. I'm sorry. Uh, one more time. Was no. So it was, you know, the love of the game was always there. The yeah. the the part the, the part that you that when you say, I don't like it anymore was all the work that you had to do to get yourself back. Oh yeah. So it was like I was saying it was the time thing. It's like mm-hmm. the work wasn't the problem, but by the time the time frame was, I mean, my only fix realistically was either we baby it with PT and hope that helps, right. or we were going to have to force TJ. Right. Which I remember Dr. Fleischley saying that at the best recovery time, nine months. And at that point, I would have been halfway through over halfway through my senior year season of school ball. Mm -hmm. So that was really the biggest thing for me, because to stay in it would have been, you know, my recruiting era would have been gone. I would have been I'm a senior halfway through my Mm -hmm. high school season. Summer ball's over. Showcase is over. I'm not getting any big looks. I'm going through a recovery process. It's going to be a year or two at some place that I don't love or Mm -hmm. in a small thing, you know, and it was just something that I knew that if I had went and tried just because of the circumstances and the timing, I would have ended up transferring and, you know, I wouldn't have enjoyed being there and I wouldn't have enjoyed that first year and I would have transferred the next year and it's just kind of, Stay close to the mic. Yep. But well, so decision was made. He calls, he says, I love it, I don't like it, and you know, and 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 we move on. And now, um, you know, let's let's just kind of explain because there's a lot of players out there whose parents are coaches. 
right? Regardless of what level, but you know the processes that we went through, mm -hmm. and the and the the knocking heads and the and and you know the fighting each other because it happens with every parent also. Mm -hmm. Like the kid doesn't want to listen to it, regardless of what you've done. The the player on the majority side does not. It's there's very few Tabor Mongeros and Trent Mongeros, right? Mm -hmm. That just consistently work in in harmony forever on, on developing a player. But, you know, we, we had our moments, man. We definitely, we, we definitely had our issues along the way. We had some really good times. Yeah. You know, we've had, uh, you know, some crazy times with, with your sister, <laughs> uh, you know, at, at an app state game, but, you know, kind of like enlighten people on what the, what the, what the positives were and what the negatives were to being the son of a coach. And even to the son of somebody that, you know, to play it at a certain level. So, yeah, I do want to say you said it regardless at any level. And I just want to preface it with that is a huge factor in it, because if you're the coach's kid and, you know, you're the coach or your dad played at a high school level and now he's coaching your middle school team or whatever. Right. That's different. There's right. not a sense of pedigree or mm -hmm. extreme knowledge mm -hmm. there. But for you, it's different. And for me, because you're such a titan in the industry, at least on the East Coast mm -hmm. and. I mean, I see it all over the place. So it's when I was coach's kid, it was, it was no. Hang on, hang on. Did you call him a Titan? He did. And I let it go. <laughs> I mean, what is he not? <laughs> now he's going to use that for ammo. I, am, I, I got it. Please make t-shirts now. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, I obviously had a bigger name to deal with and yeah one of the biggest benefits of it was, you know, your knowledge and things like mm -hmm. that. But you were right. I mean, I was stubborn. You were my dad, regardless of, I love using this example. It's like, people were always like, I'll bring up my dad played, pro. Oh, he played pro ball. He played pro ball. But like one, like it was, it was so far out of like when I was born, mm -hmm. it's kind of just like a story to me. You know, I know it happened. I've seen pictures and videos and heard about it, right. but it's not something I ever got to experience. So it's people like your dad played pro ball. Oh my God, you know, whatever's so cool. And, you know, but to me, you're the guy that I see in the kitchen at two in the morning while we're both in there trying to get like a snack. And it's, right. you know what I mean? It's, right. So there's no matter your experience or expertise or status in the game in the community, it was you Titan, always Titan. just Titan. Don't, don't go to your head. Dude. Right, calm down. I'll pull that. I'll pull that card back real quick. But um, so, yeah, like, see, you just threw me off. Uh what was I saying before you threw what, your Titan comment? Before, the, the pressures of, you know, yeah, of being, I mean, but I'm the guy that, you know, was you were just in the dad, kitchen. I was basically, just dad. it was always, yeah. so I absorbed, but I didn't want to, you yeah. know, just kind of being a kid, a teenager, yeah. just like you, you rebel. It's See, that, stupid. That, it's, and, so, and it was also because it was a huge part of the fact of being coach's kid that I didn't, I wasn't really inclined to listen or want to be receptive because it was already like, Oh, this is his dad. You know what I mean? This is like, blah, blah, blah. So it was like, I guess it so was some sort the, of the, the I, expectations. Were in greater? My, no, I'm just saying in my mind, I feel like me being hard headed and not wanting to listen and us having those moments was right. more of like, in my mind, I think a sort of pushback, yeah. I guess it was kind of like, well, obviously I can't not be his kid. And you were my coach for whatever season. So I think to me, at least in my subconscious, it was some kind of like, well, Maybe if I don't listen and I kind of make his life a little harder, it'll, you know. Good job, dude. Thanks. Well done. Yeah, glad you got that part down. Huh? But you know, so but but the flip side to that is you're coaching your own kid, right? And you want the absolute best for your own kid, but you have 
15, 16 other kids on the bench that you, that, you know, in that process. And I always said that, you know, I mean, listen, I, and you can, you can attest to this. I mean, there wasn't no favoritism. You, no. Had, you had to own your, you had to earn your spot on the field. And, you know, and when you did, you were, you were there. And if not, you know, um, and again, it wasn't perception for me. It wasn't like, oh, I got to show the families out there that, you know, but, but mom would say that, you know, I was, you're harder on the boys than you are. And probably I was, you know what I mean? The expectations. You were. And that's half the reason that it was like, that was another challenge with you being the coach is that we knew and mom knew and all these people on the inside knew that you were harder. I mean, you pulled me out of games. Yeah. I didn't get thrown out by you umpires. You pulled your brother out of games when I've he been, was like you, 10. Yeah, you pulled me out of games. You sent <laughs> yeah. us home. You know, you're yeah. right. There is no favoritism. I did. I but the thing home. is, is the people on the outside don't know that. And right. I think that was one of the more aggravating things for me. Right. And I don't know about Dylan. He handles things differently. But right. for me, it was the fact that, like, I'm getting hit with these coaches' kids' things and the nepotism and blah, blah, blah. Sure. But it's like, dude, I mean, you don't understand that, like, I catch more flack. I've got less things I can get away with than somebody else's kid that's here mm-hmm. to pay to play. Like, yep. you know, it's, so it's, it's, that was aggravating that I knew I was catching more, but the people on the outside did. And it just looked like a silver path for them. But for me, you know, I knew what it was. So the catch, the catching more or the, or the approach. So you, you know, wasn't a beat down. It was trying to give you no. everything I could possibly give you in a short period of time. It wasn't a beat and down. It, just, it was just a part of how it was received. And I mean, it's, to, it's a lesson that needed to be learned with, who you are and the last name in the industry. You know what I mean? It's, you know, that's say it, it's, Andrew. what don't say it. Say he that. wants, <laughs> he wants you to say it miniature in the industry. There you go. So no, so it, it, it but the process on the other side is, you know, you, you're pulling regardless of what people say, when Zach goes to the plate or Dylan goes to play, whatever you're pulling harder for that. It's your, it's your blood, right? It's, it's what you, you know, you've built along the way. You want great success. Um, for him, you know, and it, it, for me, it wasn't like do this because it makes me look good because that's my kid. It was never that, you know, I wanted them to be as successful as they could possibly be. And it was difficult at times because talking about earlier, you know, there is a certain level when you're in the game so long, you gain the wisdom of the game, you gain, you gain these things that can help people along. And when your own kids are not receptive to it, you know, I mean, it makes you want to cry, you know, it's like, you got to be kidding me. Like, you know, this is like, why, you know, I'm giving, and I don't have a whole bunch outside of the baseball world to say here, you know, you know, take this in terms of educating him. Right. I've been educated in this game. This is our life. It's it's been my life since I was a baby, you know, my dad and my stepdad and my uncle, all, all, all baseball guys, you know, coming through the process. So I was always engaged in the game. You know, they didn't coach me, but, you know. It was you, something you grew up around. I constantly. just, I didn't know anything else, right? I, I really didn't know what else to, to give them other than let them know every day I loved them, cared about them. I know, mean, that's a joke we've had for years. Dad doesn't know much outside of baseball. It's yeah. It's kind of like. And the other joke was I was going to die on a baseball field when I had a stroke on the bucket and I'm laying there and everybody's like, oh, my God. I'm like, and I'm like, oh, God, I was only kidding. I really don't want to die on a baseball field. <laughs> But it's funny as a coach, you're always critiqued no matter what you do. Sure. Coaches always know that. And then as a dad coaching, you're going to be critiqued even more no matter what you do, whether it's you pull them out of the game, trying to be hard on them. Then everyone's like, oh, you're just being hard on him, not anyone else. Anything you do. So, I mean, that's. Yeah, but but it's inflated because that's not, you know, that was never the situation because Zach's seen me me hard on other guys. I mean, you know, perfect example, Huck Wathen, right? Right. Huck Wathen's dad's 
major league coach. He's a third base coach, Philadelphia Phillies, interviewed for major league jobs. I was hard on him, man. And those two together, Huck and Zach in the dugout, and then they would suck in innocent Bobo and get him all fired up too. You know? <laughs> Shout out, Harrison. Huck, if you're listening. Yeah. So, but, you know, those guys were, you know, and again, Huck was feeling the same pressures that he was feeling. And they acted in a different way, you know, because of those pressures that were put on them because they couldn't just be. You know, it was, it was kind of, you know, it's unfortunate. There's a I'll, weight that comes with the last name that you have to learn absolutely. to carry. And and mom and, and and Amanda would say, you know, I don't want names on the back of the uniforms next year. I don't want names on the back. And we had this conversation last night. And, uh, you know, and I told her when, that's not that's not an option. That's We're keeping them. And you know what? And part of it was because it was tougher on you, but that toughness is going to make you better somewhere down the road. You're going to have to endure certain things like that outside of the game. So now – we go through that as far as when we play, we have some, we have some, some good moments. We have a lot of fun. Um, you leave the game kind of heartbreaking, you know, because we, you know, we, we did it, but I, it wasn't, I always felt like, I always felt like you did love the game. I just felt like, you know, that part of the injury. And I was frustrated. With you just, what it came you, to. you know, you, you're, you're the kid that you were the kid that you like to play the game. You want to play the game, but to work, to go to practice and do a lot of stuff that was, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't your priority, right? Mm-hmm. But you could get away with that and be successful with it. So it, he felt like it was okay to do that, okay? But, you know, so we go through the process. He leaves and, um, you know, it's it was kind of, you know, what are we going to do? You gave me a glove. I mean, I, I, I have his glove in my room. You know, it's there all the time. I look at all that stuff. We got a million pictures on the phone from Cooperstown. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the boys hate me because I for take any, pictures. Yeah, for any of you guys that don't know, he loves to take pictures. I do. Anywhere. I, yeah, because when I go on the road and I'm in the room by myself, I just I just scroll through that stuff and keep going back. It keeps, it keeps me occupied. And, and I chip. I chip. Have you seen those? I, I get a little styrofoam. In the hotel, oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. And then sometimes now I just I get a good styrofoam ball. I just rip at it, too. Okay. Um, but, you know, but now, so we get a phone call. I get a phone call uh, late one night. From a college, from a college kid, and uh, he says, "I I, I want to stay in the game, you know." And uh, you know, we talked about scouting. He was you know? a text, but yeah, it was a text. But um, you know, and, and that was kind of a, a a good feeling because we're a baseball family, and you know, Zach wants to do something in the game. So I reach out to uh, a friend who was the general manager or assistant GM when I was with the White Sox and then eventually became the general manager for um, Los Angeles. Well, you know, Dan's history now better than I do, but Los Angeles Dodgers, his name's Danny Evans. And, um, you know, I was just kind of feeling out on scouting like Dan, you know, is there a scout school out there that I can send my son to whatever. And so he has this, this program. So once you tell everybody what this program is, Zach, and, you know, what you're doing with it. So people understand that there are other avenues to this game, legit avenues that you can find out right now and get involved and start to build not uh, your resume, because this will be on your resume when you start to go around that you completed this, but, you know, giving you, giving you pathways. We talked about network last night, you know, and how important that is along the way. And Zach was talking about nepotism and, you know, nepotism of everybody, everybody has nepotism. Everybody's involved. You want to do the best you possibly can for your kids. So processes like this, this is this is getting him involved of finding that road for him. That's just opening the door. And then he has to take it or 
who's ever son or daughter or whatever has to take it and then create their own, you know, their own thing. Because one of the questions, one of the things that we brought up last night, what Zach brought up to me is like, well, I'm always going to feel like I'm Jeff Schaefer's son. Right. And that's not the case. You know, I mean, because I told him when I was growing up on, on Long Island, I was my father's son, who was a good baseball player. And then I became the stepson of Phil Rogers, who was a good baseball player. So, you know, I always had that kind of that thing on me a little bit, not to the extent that they have, but, um, you know, but eventually you carve out and you make your, you make your own niche, but tell, tell everybody what you got going on right now. Uh, so it's online courses called uh, sports management worldwide. And I'm taking two of them right now. The first one with Dan Evans and um, Hank Jones, another scout with the Dodgers right now, long-term guy that just is kind of talking about player development. It's two classes a week. There's some discussion boards on other people in the classes, but that one. And then uh, Ari Kaplan, is the other class I'm taking in analytics. If any of y'all know who he is, he's a big sabermetric guy. He's on the saber board, stuff like that. Big into the new era, the stat cast numbers of the game and whatnot. So that course is learning about how to implement and understand these advanced sabermetrics that the modern era lets us do. And these classes really, I think, are just I they're one very uh, informational. Obviously, this is a lot of knowledge and game experience from the guys teaching these classes. But I also think it gives some sort of validity to my own knowledge of the game and some sort of paper backing, almost like a college degree. You know, sure. It's not just saying I know this stuff. It's here's here's a documentation. Here's course with this. These people who know what they're talking about. You know what I mean? It's so it's uh, it's not you going in because your last name Schaefer. And we're, we're we're in a back. Well, base, no, I mean that's world. what that's what because you, you're proving that you you know you're, you're educating yourself on part of the games that I don't know. Yes. Right. So it, that, you know, it was great that we had the connection, but this, but this is an avenue for anybody that, that is serious about it. Mm -hmm. this is, so when you walk in to do an interview or you want, you know, we talked about different possibilities, you've already built this and it's like, you know, coming in, Oh, you know, Oh, you, you, you're Schaefer's kid. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, I'm him, but let me show you what I've done, you know, and what I've learned, what, you know, what he knows. So, you know the courses. You're you're in the beginning, yeah. Stages so of it. relatively early. Um, you know, feeling out, finding out the people that are that are that are teaching it. But this is going to be a serious pathway for you to move into the game or find different directions in the game. Mm -hmm. um, you know, scouting. We've talked about scouting. We've talked about analytics. Analytics is huge. I mean, you know, it, you know, the the general managers is is the ultimate dream. But it's like anything else, right? So, so Andrew sits here as as a as a key player in our organization, right? Like a big player in our organization. He started off, you know, at the bottom doing whatever, you know. You were playing here, weren't he you? He was. He played here. Yep. Yeah. And now, you know, now he handles the, you know, you know, uh, the USA part, you know, and, and he's driving it. Thousand kids. Um, we've seen over a thousand kids. So. What, what what was going through your head when you called and said, you know, I want I want to stay in the game? Like, were you just trying to you know, two years into college with only two left, right? That's got to be that's that milestone. Like, okay, yeah, believe me, the halfway through point. It's I was talking about this with a friend the other week. Middle school is the longest three years of my life. Uh -huh. High school is quick. I mean, these past two years have just like flown by. Yeah. And looking forward at the next two, it's like I mean, I'm gonna blink again and yeah, I'm gonna be walking across the stage, but. You know, I originally went into school as a poli-sci major thinking I wanted to go to law school. 
And uh, after the first year, I was like, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to do seven years of school. Switch majors to advertising. Still didn't really have an idea of what. I was still thinking mm-hmm. corporate something, somewhere in that line of work. And uh, and I just kind of decided that after, I guess the break did help in an essence, staying mm-hmm. away from the game for that long. I missed it. I wanted to get back, you know, stay in it. And I knew I had the routes to do that, the experience to do that. And, you know, it's something I wanted to stay a part of and something I have the ability to stay a part of. Mm-hmm. And um, I that and I just can't. We talked about it last night. I don't want to do an office every day. No. You know what I mean? The game also gives you this element that allows you to stay young. You don't really have to grow up. Yeah. I, I don't think our brains were developed to, to sit at a desk and do this stuff all the time. I think the family is kind of, other than your mother, she needs to go out and make money. <laughs> right? <laughs> but even she's not at a desk all the time. But even Dylan, you know? I mean, if you look at Tori, she's all over the country, right? I mean, Dylan barely stopped yeah. moving with his knee. Yeah. I mean, Nan, 74, put her in a walker after yeah. her knee. She's still scurrying around she's all over the place we're a mobile family for sure we got to move around we got to stay definitely mobile family but um so enjoying this enjoying this course i am so far yeah i mean it's it's a lot of information a lot of reading but it's all good information so i mean i take notes pay attention do what i got to do ask the questions absorb ask questions try to have conversations so like i said it's still early we've really just started scratching the surface of like the original subjects here and very not i don't want to say base level but the start, the tip of the iceberg. And, um, but I'm looking forward to see where it goes moving forward and what else is to be taught and the rest of the content yeah. and to see what happens with it for sure. You might be teaching a course like that someday. Oh, I don't know if Never I'd be know. a great teacher, man. No. <laughs> I, also, I always thought about that would be cool. Like when I'm yeah. old and retired, like the cool substitute teacher. Well, look at Danny. You do like Danny. He's just done everything along the way, right? He's yeah. just, he's done everything in the game and now he sits back and he can, you know, it's almost like telling a story. It's not really it's not really educating because you you know people with wisdom it's mostly not, experience it's, it's experience yeah. it's just passing along the experience and and, and and creating avenues to it so what's the name of the again it's sports management worldwide worldwide SW or smww yeah sports management worldwide so you know you can check it out and there's not very many people that are that are in it they don't i take, believe the they course don't take slots everybody. are 25 max yeah. per class yeah so I'm like, no more than that. Right. I think my class and you have to apply for that. it. You, you, you have to apply for it. You have to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's valuable. There's a lot of connections through it for sure. There's a lot of alumni that they have through and in the game already. Yeah. Obviously, the people <clears throat> in charge are amazing connections. A guy like Dan Evans is yeah. just a once in a lifetime baseball mind, along with a guy like Ari Kaplan, who's mm-hmm. a man that's developed multiple of these metrics and started tracking new things and advanced the game in the way it has. This is all valuable from cool. the information yeah. to the connections. And like I said, the validity that it gives what I know and my experience already in the game. Are so, you amazed sometimes what you know from this game at this age? Um, Not all the time. Sometimes. Because it's just know. natural. It's just, it's, it's, it's natural, it's, but it's, I think it's baked in you. It's natural, but I was thinking about this last night when we were talking and I meant to bring it up. It was, um, it's natural, but I don't know if I'm at the point yet to where I fully trust that natural instinct. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm transitioning sure. from player to coach. And so far it's You're 21 been, years old, man. You got some time. It's, but the, what I'm saying is it's, you know, player, it's different. It's natural. It's just, it happens on the field. I know what I have to do. I know what I'm doing. You just move at a certain point, playing long enough. You're a part of the machine. Now I need to be able to come from the outside yeah. 
and look in on that. Which no, it's is interesting because I see I see you observing more when we're when we're going through things like listening, watching. You're asking different questions. You know, we talk at night about you know what do you look for in the mechanics of a hitter and things like that. So, you know, that's pretty cool. But so Andrew, when we go up to Big League Camp, Zach had a better time there this time than he did when he went in as a player, dude. He threw pens. He took BP. He was taking ground balls, ragging on the kids. You know, the kids that they're all like. I don't know. They, what, they're four what, years younger than me. They're rising. They're only four, in high they're only four years younger than him, right? So it's you know he's he's in that he's in that world. Learn learn new words like furt like furt. furt yeah, furt, no, furt that feet. that wasn't me. Was, <laughs> the kids put him on furta. If any of you know what that is, and sorry, and if you don't, that sounds you don't like need, a parental thing. Is it is. Thing? Yeah, you know they started calling me Coach Furd. Yeah, it sounds like yeah, we, so, we, I, I drive around with him now, and he throws out these words. I'm like Zach. I I don't know what that means. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> What does what does that mean? Times whole, are changing, whole, man. Whole, times are changing. Yep, and uh, I'm not changing with them that much, but I have. But I have, you know. I mean, uh, you know. Listen, the technology is here. We have Yacker here. We have all that stuff. You need. I know. I was here. looking at that uh, during the All Star games, yeah. the Body Armor games, and that yeah. was some really cool stuff to see. It is getting to analyze how good yeah. John Ennis throws BP. Right. John, it's, it's right. John Ennis is his 42.3 miles an hour every time, right in a little square. Yeah, he can hit barrels. The arm. That was a problem when he was pitching. He kept hitting barrels yeah. in the big. <laughs> <laughs> he kept hitting the barrels, but no, that so that you know all that, all that that we do have that stuff here, and that was part of you know in the beginning when we created this facility is like we need the one thing that we're missing right now is a track, an eighty yard track, so we're not running the sixty on the field all the time. You know, well, you know, with cameras. Well, on, you bring the up time. the sixty. That's something Dan was talking about last it's night. Useless. The 60 is useless. It it's is. When, you know, when in baseball yeah. do you run Never. 60 yards? It's if, more if, or if less. You're an, if you're an outfielder going in the gap, you might you might run 60 yards. Maybe. You might run 60 but yards. But if you're fast enough to cover that, you know that from a 90. You know what I mean? And Listen, 90, a hard 90 is always a ball put in play on a single, right? But the, the best guys may not be the fastest guys are the ones that understand how to run the bases. Well, and yeah, have, that's right. Have, There's a have, difference have between base running and pure speed, is what I mean. Timing, sure, pure, like running a 30 is a pure man. speed timing. Yeah. I'm not the guy might run a four second from the right-handed batter's right. box, yeah. and that's one thing. Then he's a high-speed player, but if he can't run the bases, he has no awareness, and the guy doesn't know how to tag up. We've seen you know. speed. Yes, you've played with speed. Yes, and it's it, it's just purely one-dimensional, mm -hmm. right? If that's the only tool you have. You're in trouble. You know, I mean, and even you know, if and they tried to put guys like that in the big leagues um, years ago. Oakland A's hired an Olympic sprinter to just as a to pinch do, runner, just to be a pinch runner. Um, you know, now again, there are there are speed guys out there that you know are baseball players, but it's not a tremendous amount of them. So when you sit a guy and you run him at the sixty, to me, if you get, and we've done it before, you know, at USA Baseball we run the thirty, right? Mm. Because that's you know, makes the most sense. 90 feet yeah. you're in 30 yards that's 90 feet right that that makes the most sense but if you're going to gauge and you're going to set up a 60 you want to set it up clocking at 30 clocking at 60 because if if a guy gains there may be a guy that's quicker at 30 and not as quick from 30 to 60 right so he's probably more of an infielder but if you he's give a him that gas he's got a long haul is what you're right saying. so if he goes if he goes to 30 and then he accelerates up to to as he's moving towards 60, picks up speed in that gap right there, mm -hmm. he's probably an outfielder. Okay. You know, because he's running the gap. He's got a quick Long step. range speed yeah. opposed to that explosive. Yeah, so that, to me, that, that may be the only purpose. But overall, I'd much rather see these guys set it up where you're running from first to third 
and time that. But I also want to, I also think that just the 60, even four outfielders that comes down to that speed aspect again, sure. If they're fast, they're fast. They can get there. But if that guy doesn't know how to take a route, or if he doesn't know how to oh, track no that ball, about it. I mean, that. you know, I mean, you can run fast the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> you know? speed is great, but it's you know? it's not a skill that is going to take you anywhere by itself. And the best the, the best outfielders in the game are the guys that take the good routes, and they don't look like they're running hard because they've taken that route. Yeah, and they understand timing, right? They know how to get to where they have to get to without looking like a madman. Um, so. It, you know, it, it, it is. It, and Dan's right. And, and we've said it many, many times. And USA Baseball has adapted it. We don't we don't run the 60. We t- we time you in the 30. You know, the other thing that, that you know, the, that's is the 5105 is a good is a good gauge too. for lateral movement. Yeah. For twitchy infielders. Yeah. Like you got a guy that could go bang, 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 bang. You know, OK. You know, that's that's this guy's a short stop, yeah, You got yeah. a guy that can jump. That's that's going to tell you that he's got some twitch to him, too. So there's, you know, there's d- different gauges. But overall, we talking about Wake Forest earlier. Um, went to, you know, went up there when, when Mitchell Salvino was, uh, you know, working out for him. Got committed up there. Went into the clubhouse. Cool clubhouse, man. It is a major league clubhouse. It is off the charts good. But they have a pitching lab. Mm-hmm. Their hitting facility is one of the worst hitting facilities I've ever seen in my life. It's just It's just like an airplane hangar. With nets and rotten carpet on it, it's it looks like it's been there for you know 25, 30 years. Nothing, nothing special at all. Okay, but they can hit. Okay, so you know, do you need all these analytics for hitting? Yeah, they help. We talked to Jason Stampler, but the pitchers in that in that lab, there are cameras all over the place, and they're capturing all these biomechanics. They're capturing plane. You know, why do guys swing over the ball? What's the ideal? Pl- you know, I mean, all the all the, all those stuff that you never thought about seeing. Like, okay, if a guy's throwing at this degree, then there's more swing and misses than the guy that's throwing at this degree. So let's get tilt, spin rate, all that other stuff. So that you know, there's value to it. But they have a scientist on their staff to break it down and put it into layman's terms and come in the office and go, look, this is you know, look how important this is because to go ahead and mash all that together and put it in a blender now is there overload to all that stuff of course there's overload there's just, there's just you know so you know you, you can't gauge the the heart of a player or how he's feeling or you well know. yeah there's always an element for the human aspect of sure scouting. absolutely so you can't determine everything just on metrics and numbers yep. and you yep. know numbers don't lie but like you said there are certain things is this guy clutch how's he handle pressure what's That's his right. character what's you know yeah. Is he a clubhouse guy? The analytics can tell you if he. The analytics can tell you if he's if he. You know, whatever his analytics in a game compared to his analytics at a showcase. What do you mean? I mean, like they could be different, right? So he could yeah. be. You're taking like John. Well, when I'm his, talking about analytics, this is mostly like when you're talking analytics like this. It's it's a database. It's yeah. not his batting average for one game. While right. that contributes in, it's an overall thing. Like just for example, like let's say you know you, Albert Pujols, long career, right? He's been in the Statcast era since it launched. There's a lot of data on him, so the sabermetrics in that would be like, okay, well his swing and miss rate on this pitch is X percent, and it's even more right. when it's put in this location. He doesn't like this. Mm-hmm. This guy right here, you know, he's been in the league for a long time. They do a really cool one. It's like Albert Pujols has faced whoever's pitching blank out of blank times, and he's eight for 15 in his career against this guy you know that's what that is and then like i said the single game stuff like you said adds into it but like that's take it it takes the vibe away it takes the feel for the game away from a lot of guys that manage now because they're they are analytical managers right 
So the situation comes up and, okay, automatically get that guy off the field and put this guy in. Well, that's too okay. much. You know, there's it, things it, like it, ruining it ruining a flow and like just, sure. just because the numbers yeah. say that. And it's, a, it's baseball. It's like the, the Hall of Fame winning hitters three out of ten times. You yeah. know what I mean? So while those numbers are solid and they're backed with a lot of data, anything can happen in this game. Absolutely. And it does come down to the flow and the momentum like you were talking about. Like mm -hmm. you can't chop in. You can't bust things up just yeah. because of numbers. It's, And, you know, you could have a whole team of on-paper – metrics wise of just dominant athletes mm -hmm. but if they're all bad clubhouse guys self-centered and have nothing going for them that team you know team chemistry is a huge part of that talent you mm -hmm. can you can have a star i mean think about let's think about the angels for example i mean they have two generational talents well trout's struggling sure. right now a little bit it's Something's right, off the over time, there. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's yeah. so it's it's not a lack of talent or a lack. Well, something's of off in St. Louis. We had this conversation yeah, last, last night. night. It's... You know, I mean, you you remove Schilt, yep. that was a player's manager, and you place him with somebody that was younger and you thought was analytical and would listen to everything that came down from the clubhouse, and they're struggling. Now they're 15 games back under 500. What are they? They're 15 games what under are they? 500. Issues up top on that club. I think everyone knows that. Well, I mean, it's still still a trickle down because it's coming from up top and it's going to the manager, and the manager has to do it. So you got somebody like Schilt that was willing to 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 you know show some backbone and go, no, man, you know, we just won 17 straight and got to the playoffs doing it this way, and you want us to you know change it up, change it up. It just it makes it makes zero it makes zero sense. Oh, but but that broken. but that's the point. There's, but these aren't robots; they're human beings out there, right? And the analytics are extremely valuable. I'm 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 every day I get more and more you know, receptive to it. And, you know, old school going like, I can tell you what the guy can do. I, you know, that's a player. That's not a player. And then you get these guys that have beautiful swings and you're wondering why they can't hit the ball. You know, well, maybe there's the, well, there's the a really cool stuff that it's called um, one of my, it's called BABIP. It's batting average on balls in play. Yeah. So this guy, like whatever he may be, this is why in a very, I guess in the past 20 years, a lot of people have discovered like typical baseball card stats aren't, yeah your best metric for judging a player, but Babbitt. Thank you. Yeah. Babbitt <laughs> is your batting average on balls in place. So this guy, Titan, this guy might be batting 230, <laughs> right? But every time he makes solid contact and the ball goes in the field, he's batting 600. Right. You know, so there's things sure. like that, that you can look at and nuance. Yeah. You're like, well, he's batting 230, but every time right. he makes contact, there's right. 66% so chance this ball is going to drop. Yeah, how do we cut you know? down strikes? Sure. There's a lot to it, but. No, man, I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm excited about this. I'm excited at the, the conversations that we have now. Um, it's Zach says I'm mellowing until he saw me get thrown out of the game the other day. No, that wasn't. You did that. that, was, <laughs> that was... Yeah, he, he texted me and said I got thrown out of the second Dude. inning. I'm like, I thought you were better. Yeah. I, I mean, it was. I'd say it was on purpose because this. He walks up. He gives him his earful, whatever. I'm like, okay. And he's walking away doing his, you know, the walking away comment. And then Not I'm looking, looking at, at him. and I'm yeah. looking, I'm looking at him. He's facing me at this point, and I see something in his eyes light, and he hits a 180 on the spot, and he goes right back to this guy, and I'm like, ah, <laughs> here we go. And he's like, Coach, you're out of here. And he's like, Whatever, man, I'm gonna go sit up in the press box. Okay, and now, now what you do next time, Shay, if you just if you're doing the 180, just say I'm better now, and then turn back around. If you go back to where you're going to get thrown out, you okay. Just say, so you know, you know, I'm a Gemini, right? Okay. Yes. So I got two people to deal with inside my head, and the one's like, "Go to the dugout, Jeff. You'll be okay." And the, and the other one's like, "Go get him, go get him." And the "go get him" guy has just dominated me. For well, him. you just tell the "go get him" guy, "I'm better now," and then I'm better now. Out. I'm better. I did so you really just out. bring up 
your star sign? Yeah. Oh, I do that all the time. Yeah. He's a Gemini. I'm a Gemini. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Zach's like, all right. All right, Andrew, update on USA Baseball, yeah, brother. Let's go. Next, <laughs> regionals next week. We got 15 Gemini. We got, we got a lot going on. Yeah. I'm heading down to Florida next Tuesday through yep. Friday, so we won't podcast next Friday. Yep. Um, so yeah, am I going? Am I going to New York? No. Why not? Why can't I? Want to, because I, you, you get the black bear next week. Whew, yeah, I do. Yeah, let's go, man. Let's do it, brother. Do it. Um, yeah. Is that our first road? That's our first. Yeah, road it's our show, first. Right? It's our it's our first. Road. It's a good first tournament. We won that. We won that one year. Yeah. That was uh, that was pretty cool. We ran over some pretty good clubs. Um get there we had a good really good team um Ty Marshall, Murgo, team? dylan yep craddock uh we had we had we had jennings we had, i mean we had we had a good uh a, a good crew yeah man yeah cool. we did so yeah a lot going on usa baseball we you know we talked to recruiters and everybody i mean we overall through our region yeah. over a thousand kids over a thousand kids wow. You know, I mean, and, your uh, region is you're all northeast and the coast, southeast, right? Twenty states, yeah, twenty states. That we did more numbers this year, and we gave up Ohio. Yeah. So good job, Andrew. So y'all have twenty states. Yeah. What's the next largest region? Us. I mean, next, obviously, uh, southwest, southeast, uh, southwest, south. Um, yeah, southwest. Yeah, south, south, I mean, what's yeah. probably like ten states. I think they're like. 13, but they're yeah. kind of big, they're big, big states. Yeah, they're yeah, big. Because I know we've got a lot of little, like, New Hampshire. Yeah. Midwest yeah. with Rich, and you got Northwest with uh, Jason. Yeah. So we, we blanket the country. Um, it's a it's it's a cool experience. I've had this. I had this. was on a Zoom call. We have uh, the 14 new futures. The championship's going in when? July. Yeah, early July. Early July. Uh, and they're going in under the You Deserve a Chance Foundation logo. They're going to go play that. That. Almost all of them are out of North New York area. Some some Southern guys, um, but it's uh, yeah. The year that you, it was what me and I was the only kid on the team without like a Chenzo at the end of my yeah, name. Yeah, that's right. Remember Frank Girassi's kid did, was yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. And Frank and I played together in high school, and he went on to play in New Mexico State, and still teaches. And saw him at uh, my the induction. Um, he was one of the guys that I wanted there because he's been around. He's been around me since I was five years old, and uh, uh, pretty cool. But yeah, there were a lot of a uh, lot of vowels at the end of the, you know. Yeah, because what I thought it was like the southeast team was overpacked or something, yep. and they moved me up to the northeast. And I mean, yeah. it was it was all these kids with Italian last names. Schaefer, <laughs> hello. Yeah, where are you from? South yeah. Carolina. Yeah. Oh. But so um and the banjo know, started to play every time I said that. Oh, they were Mexican with you. Yeah. Yeah. You were born of Yankee blood, dude. You were born from Northerners. But uh so August 9th, 10th, um, HBCU event. Uh the majority of schools will be HBCU schools. The other schools um that we have in here, uh, obviously we wanted other schools in here for opportunities, not just strictly, but the majority will be. Most of the schools outside of that that we've brought in have uh, minority representation on their coaching staff. Um, so, you know, it's a pretty cool event. You have to be vetted. Um, if you want an invite or, you you know, and this is for anybody. This isn't just for, you know, African-American kids or Latino kids. or minority. This is, you know, if you think that you, you know, you want to play an HBCU school, which here's the interesting part about being an HBCU school. 
Um, you go into an HBCU school, you're a minority. So you have options for money. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty, it, it's pretty interesting. Um, so you can you can be, you can be white, you can be brown, you can be black, you can be, you know, whatever you have, you know, you can go to an HBCU school. It isn't only for, um, some of the schools that we've seen in the past had more, more, more white players than they did African-American players. So that's, that's a big push for us to, to try to get that number inverted and back to, uh, well, yeah, cause I, there was, um, I believe uh, what, when you were playing, it was almost 25% of the league was African-American 18, 18, and now it's down to what? Seven on opening day, less than seven. Like less I saw the last number was like 6.7, something 3% in college, you know, and, uh, you know, it just, the game is better when you have athletes cross generational, look at Atani, you know, look at the Latinos in there, look at the guys from Australia, look at the guys from, I mean, the, well, I you think know. that plays a part in it. I mean, uh, everybody's kind of getting pushed out because of that international market. You know, it is, well, it is yeah. while diversifying and expanding the game and trying yeah. to bring it back. It's in a harder environment now because recruiting isn't, you know, when you played, it was occasional. I mean, did you have any foreign or a lot I of mean, Latinos, a lot, lot of Latinos Latin, at the time, uh, but now I Craig mean, Shipley was one of the first Australians to play, but you know, now um, it's, we had very few Canadians in the league. Every um, Latin country's got a, a, what is it? The development center yeah, in there. Yeah, every Asian yeah. country has, you know, it's, there's 700 and was it 762 roster spots league wide, right? Yeah, at that point it was. It was close to 800. But so, now, yeah. but the point is, either way, it's yeah. those 800 spots are being competed for. So the, the, object, the, obje the objective through here is not to make you know Morris or you know our partner here at UDACF said this better than anybody else. It's you know we're not here to make major league players. If that happens, that happens. Mm -hmm. We're here to develop players that have an opportunity to play the college level. So it's an upward mobility thing. Provide not, the opportunity, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, so you can't, you know, when we say, well, are you vetting or you're inviting only? Yes, we are, because you can't bring players out here that really don't have the abilities to move on to the next level. Mm -hmm. Now, listen, there's a million delusional people out there that think that their son is that, that kind of player. We do this for a living, you know, and we make the decision based on what we know and what our experiences are. And Are you that type of player that can, you know, that can break through or break out of high school and break into college? So we want to, we're going to make this an event where the players are vetted. So you can you can get a you can request a nomination. You can request an invite by going to notholecarolinas.org. Notholecarolinas.org. It's on there. Request an invite. We're going to vet. We're going to find we're going to find out where you're playing, what you're doing. We're going to look at your profiles that you have out there, whether it's PBR, PG, you know, um, you know any any of those. And we're, and we're going to make a decision and you're going to get an invite or you're not going to get an invite. And we're only ca we're capping it at 75 players. It's not a cattle call. This isn't like anybody come. We have sponsors involved. There's a bank for the HBCU event, okay. August 9th and 10th Got it. sponsors involved. Um, we have a banquet. Um, we'll have a player's banquet and coach's banquet that night. We'll have a guest speaker, which is going to be Carl Nichols, who was a teammate of mine when I was in the Orioles organization. One of the few, African-American catchers ever in the game. If you go back and look at those statistics, how many how many African-American catchers were there in the big leagues? Never thought about it, but when you said the, it, I tried to think, and I can't. Charles Johnson was uh, was really the last one, and I, I, I forget, 2005 maybe he retired or something. He played 14 years. Uh, but Carl was, Carl was an African-American dude, and he uh, he caught in the big leagues. He's got different parts of five seasons up and down, and um, – Great dude, engaged in the uh, in the African American community down in Atlanta. Now he's from Compton, mm -hmm. you know. So you want to talk about bringing, 
you know, bringing somebody in to speak to these kids. So Carl will be a guest speaker. Alex Fournay is going to come in and do a, an NIL presentation. So there's there's a lot of meat on the bone of this of this thing. It isn't just jump in here and do it. Yeah. You know, so we're excited about that. We're excited about the programs that we have going on here um, through Not Whole. And I mean, they're good events for a good thing. So it's something to look forward to. Man, it, 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 you can't take the community and the, the only, game. Only, only thing that you can leave behind when you leave this earth at is the imprint that you put on somebody else. That's it. You can't take anything with you. It's not going to be useful. So, you know, we try to do that as best as we can around here. Um, anything else, Andrew, we got to cover. We're good. No mom. Thanks for letting Zach be on today. He did a good job, brother. I love you. Okay. Did she have, did I needed a permission form for this. No, she said it's a waiver. Oh. It's a waiver. You and I in the same room. It's a waiver. Sorry. Look, she's got Nancy in the chat monitoring. Oh, there it's it a is. virtual Hello, bush. Nan, Nan Murphy. It's Zach's grandmother and our, our live in everything. She's the best. So thank you everybody. Listen to Schaefer baseball report Friday edition. Andrew, you're going to be down in Florida yeah. next week. So uh, we may just do a rerun something like yeah, that or maybe you can we can try a virtual yeah. be cool if you're down there doing yeah. that and uh everybody that's coming to these uh these regionals it's it's going to be exciting you're going to see some really good talent we're going to probably show up with the best talent we've ever showed up and carry we're going after andy rojo so andy if you're listening stop sandbagging we're coming at you brother all right peace out everybody thank you